Okay, um, cool, so this month's film for Tarot in Film, which is a series that kind of unearths tarot archetypes in the cult classic movies, is Mandy. Um, it's a very cool film, not just visually, but um, I guess just based on symbolism and uh the kind of mythology and language they use so yeah if i could sum it up uh, for a headline it would be grief revenge and immortal love so let's get into it part one osiris loss and life after a fish eats your peanuts If the one we cover escapes us in reality, many of us will attempt reclamation through fantasy. In ancient Egyptian mythology, the story of the god of the underworld, Osiris, mimics the Gordian knot-like dynamic of love. It's complicated more often than not. It can be so bittersweet. His tale is a bit weird, but let's go with it. This is going to help explain the film a little bit. One day, Set, a dark god, so there's many kind of interpretations of him, but he's some sort of crocodile, frog, serpent creature. (laughs) The Egyptian version of Leviathan uh, dismembered Osiris. And to top it off, a fish ate his penis whilst he was fighting in the water, so yeah, outnumbered. Pretty gnarly stuff. His phallus was never found, so one had to be made out of clay to replace it. Interpretations of this tell us that the only part of him that was corruptible was through his sexuality, his sensual desires. Uh, vulnerable from his own innate mortal yearnings. Psychotherapist and astrologer Liz Green puts it like this. The enroachment of the deep is all too often through genital rather than spiritual feeling, although the physical union, which initially seems such a desirable act of Neptunian romantic entanglements, is usually anticipated as a mere gateway to the more important soul union that lies beyond. To drown in anything, whether it be love, grief or vengeance, can be an icy slope one effortlessly glides down. And though he was promised redemption, it could only be received in the afterlife, never in mortal form. That leads me perfectly into this month's film, Mandy, written by Panos Cosmatos. Part 2. The Lover's Death and Ruin Red and Mandy, the lovers, live in a house made almost entirely of windows. At night they lay under the swirling colours of the chthonic sky, lit up by the glittering glow of the stars. Their love is pollinated amongst jokes only your dearest would get, discussing their favourite planets, the way they can't take their eyes off one another. As she emerges from the depths of the lake, 
And when blinding fire impregnates the screen directly after that moment, a not-so-subtle omen of the ruin yet to rain down on the couple presents itself. Ten of Swords. After the children of the new dawn, some kind of sex cult kidnap Mandy, only in the end to burn her alive, the blood-bloated road to revenge Red takes in exchange for full connection to his grief, unleashes his dying affection for her. Cult leader Jeremiah is unable to accept the rejection from Mandy, denouncing her beauty and eligibility as an elegant, valuable woman and mocking their love as a couple. In his own form of vengeance to preserve his ego, he forces a member from the cult to pull the trigger of a loaded gun whilst having it placed against her skull. She doesn't blow herself to pieces, but it is clear from her reaction that it was an act born from fear, not love. He spews some black bile about Jesus' big mistake being that he didn't offer a sacrifice up in place of himself, suggesting that Mandy and Red were the sacrificial lambs of this tale. His arguably most devout follower proceeds to stab Red with the tainted blade of the pale night straight from the abyssal lair. Um, and sometimes the pale night or the white night in, if we look at the biblical story of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, is referred to as Jesus. So, little, you know, f- fun fact there. <laughs> Red is bound by the mouth, wrists and legs in barbed wire and stabbed in the stomach where Jesus was struck before being crucified. This sets the tone throughout, as Red's life after the burning and stabbing becomes a jaded hero's quest for what can only be some form of deficient redemption. In short, this film stretches beyond death, extending toward Neptunian depths, but never quite managing to find the cleansing waters the Roman god is born from. Instead of drowning, dissolving in water everything disintegrates in flames so the emperor or we could say the god of war who represents mars revenge is not the same as redemption part three i want to commit the murder i was imprisoned for At the beginning of the movie when Red suggests moving, Mandy recalls a story from her childhood about her father trying to get her to kill a murmuration of baby starlings. It is obvious that she associates being around people with pain, that the little house they've built by Crystal Lake in the woods is a precious safe haven for her, but when she dreams of an innocent fawn dead in the forest, We discover that soon she will suffer a similar fate. Her heart and body are guarded by memories from the past that clearly vex her. But with this withdrawal comes an eerie silence that quietly seems to weigh Red down. And when you've built that home of quiet, desperate isolation and you're sort of happy, 
but then something truly evil burns that to the ground, how not to live in a cycle of rage and vengeful violence, how do you counter the horrific? When Mandy gets burned alive in front of him, Red unties his hands and mouth from the barbed wire, bewildered, struck with disbelief. He gets all Knight of Wands, and he doesn't really think. Because after seeing your lover reduced to ashes, you might not exactly be able to have a straight mind. You might go to your hidden stash of booze you're probably not meant to have because you're a recovering addict and down the whole thing and scream and scream and scream into the void. How to console the inconsolable things that leave the deeper scars. How to move on from a tragedy beyond moving on from. The film shows us the psyche's perceived necessity for revenge but the absolute futility of it nonetheless. None of Red's weapons, the Reaper, the Beast, nor the Jainsaw, can cut the past pain away. The film is characterised thereafter by Red's psychedelic, intense and distorted perceptions, hallucinations and feelings of despair. In biblical terms, he switches from white to red, embodying one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the red knight associated with war. He starts off by killing all the black skulls, as they were the guys that kidnapped Mandy after an exchange with the children of the New Dawn. To be fair, they are a pretty awesome looking group of bikers, however they did terrorise murder and probably took too much acid, um, but they look really cool. So. <laughs> Red later tries the acid that fucked them up after killing three of the four members and totally loses his shit. Well, loses it even more. <laughs> he kills the last biker by cutting their head off and burning it, then epically lights a cigarette from the flames. He then makes his way to the cult and we witness some pretty gruesome deaths, lots of beheadings and one guy dies actually on a chainsaw. Uh, he only has one person left to kill, Jeremiah. In the end, Jeremiah thinks that he can be saved by his empirical accumulations, believing that what he has built is proof of his holiness, which makes him a cut above the rest. Very spiritual outlook. But Red clearly sees through the facade and reaps wicked vengeance. Jeremiah claims Red has no spirit or soul, that he is just meat, that his being is not everlasting, not beyond death. He claims that the pain he inflicted, the murder, was all part of Red's journey to, you know, give him a soul for salvation, to cleanse. And when he breaks character, offering up a blowjob in exchange for his life, there is a smattering of justice but not for long. With Red's hand gripping his head, he becomes a god again and spews some more bullshit about Red having to kneel before him. Just before crushing his head, Red says, I'm your god now. And one of the coolest lines in the film, the psychotic drowns where the mystic swims. 
You're drowning. I'm swimming. Which is adapted from Shakespeare's play Macbeth. In Christianity, water is used to baptize, cleanse, and wash away the sins of the past. In Native American cultures, smoke and fire rituals have been used to usher a person into a new chapter of their life, whether that be puberty or the afterlife. Part four. Grief is a perpetual shift between nightmare and fantasy. Some deaths do not abate with time. Over time, the bereaved person can find a way to grow or expand their life around their grief in order to continue living. Something that can help is finding a treasured object or ritual that provides a meaningful connection with the deceased. In literature, this is called continuing bonds. When Red has killed almost everyone in the movie, there is a moment of release, an almost phallic eruption, as if this was the way to rebirth from death. A transformation has taken place, death. But where it puts Red is anybody's guess. The film ends in a cartoonish, scorched earth scene. Moments before, after Red gets into the car and recalls the first meeting with Mandy. His murderous spree was all done in the shirt that he was wearing when he first met his lover. Is this symbolic of a circle closing? The numbers on his shirt, 44, when added together, 4 plus 4 become 8. In Hindu astrology, this represents the planet of justice and expansion, Jupiter, Mandy's favourite planet. His face caked in blood, his eyes a vision of insanity. And we know that as she sits next to him in the car, smoking a cigarette, he is engulfed in a fantasy. After all, physical death is not the end of a spiritual and psychological bond. And that is surely where he would rather be, beyond mortal ruin. So Red rides into the heat of some mythical landscape, perhaps hell. But who really knows where those licked by the pale flames of grief truly go? Because as I said earlier, you don't move on. You move forwards. The story of Osiris springs to mind. You go beyond the physical, into some kind of soul love. I'm not saying that that's enough. But it sure is something. Thank you for listening to this month's offering. And I'll see you next time. Take care.